0: welcome back to another episode of Board brown girls today we're going to be doing something a little different
1: yes in honor of asian american and asian pacific heritage month we wanted to showcase a few different um understandings of what it means to be Asian American, um, or of Asian heritage and living in the United States. So the first thing you're going to hear is a little snippet of an Asian American who talks about their perceptions and understanding of what it means to be Asian while living in the United States. Um, for their protection, we have distorted their voice and will keep their, uh, identity, that's the word I was looking for there, identity, anonymous, and then Lou and I will discuss afterward. So without further ado, here is
2: the clip. All throughout my life, I've usually experienced my identity through another person's eyes. We associate identity with being something. But mixed people are often forced to build identities out of what they are not. To most white people, I'm not white, I'm Asian. To most Asian people, I'm not Asian enough. Once I had called in a sub at my job and the people I was working for didn't realize that it was a different person until 20 minutes in. The person who was subbing for me happened to be Asian American and while we were both able to roll our eyes at the situation and move on, it still stung because it was a reminder that whenever they see the individual you, they just see Asian person. The difficult thing for me is that I'm not even sure if I'm part of that group, either. There's this phenomenon in a lot of Asian or immigrant households where you're the dishwasher, and you use the dishwasher machine in your house as a drying rack for your dishes. I remember I learned from an environmental science course that washing dishes by hand uses and wastes more water than just using the dishwasher, but whenever I bring that up to my friends, they claim that you're not a true Asian if you don't do your dishes by hand. I know they're probably just modeling their own cultural identity from what they learned from their parents, but it's just a reminder that most immigrant, or even first or second generation communities, have their own cultural identity to fall back on for understanding who they are. Obviously, using a dishwasher or not does not make you Asian or not. And I'm not so insecure where this is a major trauma for me, but it's just a reminder each time that I'm not one of them. At best, I'm not sufficiently Asian and at worst, I don't belong. I'm still working out what that means for myself and how to exist with that knowledge. I'm not trying to elicit sympathy or minimize the microaggressions we experience. The only reason I feel comfortable sharing this is that I hope it encourages anybody who is listening, anybody who might recognize some of these things in their lives, that it encourages them to really commit to actively fighting for racial justice. Whether you believe people experience racism or not, it's here. Look at your own lives and recognize that there are systems of hierarchy that directly benefit us and we need to actively fight against it to dismantle the institutional white supremacy. Brittany Packnick Cunningham speaks about spending your privilege and to spend whatever privilege you have for good and to not keep it for yourself because that's the only way we can build a community going forward.
1: Um, great. So, Louis J. Angelica. Louis J. Alvaro, no longer Dean. And no middle name. <laughs> no middle
0: name. <laughs> <laughs> what did
1: you think or what was your experience of listening to this other um Asian Americans, you know, kind of thoughts on what it means to be Asian in the United States?
0: Um, I mean it's quite different. My own perspective and my own experiences have been quite different from what we just heard. Um, I'm not half white, so I can't say that I've had the same experiences that were described. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as a couple of the Asian experiences this person brought up, um, I recall, I believe it was you, me, and a couple of our friends who went to a bar um, in a downtown place. (laughs)
1: Did we? We Okay, continue. I don't know what you're about to talk about. And we
0: met up with uh, someone who graduated some time ago. I think it was maybe like three or two years ahead of us. And she mistook me for another one of our Asian friends.
1: Um. (laughs) I don't remember this oh and she said hi
0: and I'm like oh I'm not Bree. she's like oh hey and then I hugged her anyways she's super cool they
1: literally played on the same volleyball team for years yeah
0: well I mean like I get that part I get it I get it but she's super cool about it so it's not like anything I like took to heart Mm -hmm. um I know it's kind of that was something that was I was like oh wow yeah that's definitely happened like once or twice in my life Yeah.
1: And that was what I, one of the things I was going to ask you, ask you about was, you know, what are your thoughts on Asians kind of getting grouped or lumped together and the idea of them being indistinguishable? And I, I know that this happens to more demographics and more ethnic groups than just Asians, but you know, since we're focusing on the Asian demographic today, Mm -hmm. like what are your thoughts on that? Like, is this something that only hurts Asian people because obviously it's like oh I look different than this person I am my own individual person Mm -hmm. or is there maybe (laughs) some light in there I don't know I'm just curious
0: looking Mm -hmm. at Asians as like one entire I can't even say race thinking that all Asians come from the same ethnicity even this Mm -hmm. homogenous ethnicity where we all practice the same things we all have these dragons we have cherry blossoms all these what's the word? All these elements that are stereotypically Asian Mm -hmm. is, (laughs) it's kind of, it's, it's like miscategorizing a lot of us. And even Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month is kind of almost like an entire categorization of Mm -hmm. multiple ethnicities and cultures. Um, I, I haven't had, too many experiences where I've been mistaken for another Asian. Um, so I can't really say from personal experience, but I know it's detrimental to the Asian community as a whole, mostly because I am not my cousin and I am not my Chinese neighbor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's a lot of just miss. I don't know the word for it. It's a lot of misracializing because it's I'm trying to like use the word like misgendering, but with race. Yeah, it's kind of like misracializing an entire myth, Myth (laughs) mis-ethnicalizing, (laughs) myth-ethnicity. Words are
1: hard. Words are hard. It's,
0: (laughs) It's interesting, I think, for a lot of Asians, because a lot of us do... Look, we have similarities. I will admit there are similarities, but there's distinct differences. Like, I can usually tell a Filipino out of a room of Asians, but that's not to say, like, you automatically assume someone is Korean and they could be Chinese. Like, you don't just go up to someone and ask them, hey, are you Korean? Just because you think they look a certain, like, phenotype.
1: Yeah, the assumption of one's ethnic background or in i say ethnic because race is only perception Mm -hmm. so i guess in this case race um because what i'm about to say goes with race okay the (laughs) (laughs) wow i love to backtrack on myself but um (laughs) the assumption of one's race you know or the assertion of one's race uh merely due to aesthetics Mm -hmm completely erases the idea of one's culture Mm -hmm. and i think that is potentially where a lot of this like hurt comes from you know because like while there are physical similarities and while there are you know essentially cultural similarities like these are these own unique individual cultural ethnic groups of like Filipinos are completely different from Indonesians, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's so much rich Asian culture that can't even be put under one umbrella of Asian like we do. You know, there's so many different groups Mm -hmm. within this one category. And, you know, when you do immediately... um prescribe a label based off of looks it's completely disregarding the idea of culture Mm -hmm. which is what ethnicity is mostly about its practices and culture on top of racial you know like demographic and where they're from um where you are in the world is what i'm trying to say Mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't know it happens a lot yeah yeah across many boards i feel like um but yeah that was one of the things i wanted to ask you about now you kind of uh touched on you know not being hoppa um which for people listening who don't know what hoppa means it means you're half white half asian um but you you know refer to yourself as a half gen Mm -hmm. and so Do you think that there are any similarities within that of experience of being a quote unquote half gen or someone who assimilated to the American lifestyle at a young age and then also being, you know, half white, half Asian experiencing the world in that way?
0: Yeah, Um, I think there's a lot of nuances, especially with people who have like competing identities because. I personally did not, it's not that I didn't identify as Filipino, it's that I never really, like, I mentioned it in the video, but I don't, I didn't, like, embrace my culture. And I came from a very multicultural background when I first came Mm -hmm. to America, because my godmother was white, my dad, not my bio dad, but the dad I grew up knowing. Um, was also white my mom was Filipino and was (laughs) my mom is is (laughs) Filipino and my um, godmother's partner was Mexican-American so I grew up not really having a defined culture Mm. and I do think there are some commonalities with me being so assimilated at a young age and um, being Hapa. Because we kind of were blanketed—at least me personally—I I was blanketed in a lot of like white privilege growing up. Mm. Because my dad was white, he is. Man, I keep saying it as if they're dead. They're still around, I swear.
1: <laughs> my dad is. Insane. Sometimes I wonder about. I do.
0: About I your do dad. wonder about him occasionally. He
1: was old when we were in middle school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He. I was blanketed in a lot of white privilege. Like he is a well I guess I could say was he's alive but he was a private school teacher in a lot of very prestigious mostly white private schools and so him being my dad I there was somewhat of an identity crisis when he like told me like hey um you're not actually like my blood child <laughs> so mm. I was like wow what am I yeah so I was questioning it at that point but I do think I share some commonalities. Mm. Um, and
1: then our speaker also talks about, you know, not feeling Asian enough, but at the same time being too Asian. Like, is that something you've ever experienced or, or struggled with?
0: Hmm. Not being Asian enough. I don't think I hung out with enough Asian people (laughs) growing (laughs) up for me to, like, kind of have that much of a structured identity with being Asian. Like, racially, I've always been categorized as Asian. You know, when we had to do, like, star tests, when we had to do, like, the Casey, you always have to, Mm -hmm. like, mark down, what are you? And, of course, I'm always going to mark down, like, Asian. Um... But a lot of the Asian people I did grow up around were not very in tune with being Asian, I guess. Or at least not Mm -hmm. outwardly. Because I feel like the Bay Area in itself has its own cultures. And then all the cultures within the Bay Area practice their cultures within homes, within, like, religious Mm. buildings within like (laughs) communities um but i feel like a lot of people (laughs) didn't outwardly they weren't like coming to school in like (laughs) i don't know how to explain it i've never felt like i wasn't asian enough because i am outwardly asian Mm -hmm.
1: i guess um you know i guess the question is like did you ever feel like you didn't i don't want to say like live up to the standards of what people's perception of asian is or what people's perception of filipino is or did you ever have like filipino aunties who were like oh, why don't you know this or why do you act this way like you're so americanized i guess that's sort of some other ways in which you could potentially not feel asian enough or filipino enough
0: yeah There is a weird kind of mentality when it comes to Americanization. And I feel like it varies throughout like different Asian cultures, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are praised for being much more assimilated or more Americanized. So Mm -hmm. I've never felt out of place in that sense. Maybe like me not learning, me not knowing the language anymore has kind of been a communication issue sometimes Mm -hmm. um in that sense i think maybe i felt somewhat of a disconnect with like an asian identity because it's difficult for me to communicate with my family that is in the philippines Mm. um and if we want to talk like bay area asian culture i never learned how to play a ukulele (laughs) I was not very big into uh, the Jabbawockees. I watched ABDC, but a bitch can't really dance. She can twerk, she can grind, but she can't really dance.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, because I feel like, I don't know, like, I love Filipino food. I can relate to a lot of Filipino kids and their moms and dads maybe wanting them to be, like, a nurse. I can can, uh, relate with the American-Filipino struggle, but when it comes to... Like, like, my Filipino friends' parents and their expectations, I don't think I cared enough to really internalize their expectations or perceive or their, like, thoughts of me. Mm. I didn't really grow up immersed in my culture or my heritage.
1: Did you ever find yourself like longing for that? Or was it kind of like a sweet oblivion?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, that word. Um, I long for like, I feel like this is another discussion that I've been having with a couple people who are like Filipino American, but there's this weird romanticiz- romanticization. Did I say that
1: right? Romanticization. Um, yeah. yeah. There's a
0: weird romanticization of like the quote unquote homeland where, like, kids who were either, like, first-gen here or came here when they were really young, like myself. (laughs) Half-gen. Half-gen. Quote-unquote half-gen. Yeah.
1: I need you to coin that term. I really like it. Thank
0: you. (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) Um, There's, like, this weird romanticization that they have of, like, yearning for a culture they never experienced. And I feel Mm. wrong wanting to learn about it in some sense, but I'm kind of like trying to pinpoint where that wrongness feels like. And I think it comes from a lot of people who are so immersed in the culture being like, you weren't here in the first (coughs) sorry. (coughs) Damn.
1: You
0: weren't here to begin with. So why do you want to be part of it now? And that disconnect is definitely something that I feel like not even Asian Americans feel, but most people like I know you were coming, you're getting more in touch with like your African American side. I was gonna say,
1: girl, I feel you.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I don't think it's right to be judging people for wanting to be part of a community that they weren't previously participating in. Because I've done like two, I've, me and my rabbit holes. I'd be diving, (laughs) I'd be diving into, like, deep-ass rabbit holes just about, like, pre-colonial Philippines, the whole pantheon of gods that we had when we were, like, pagan. Like, all our tattoo... Our, all our tattooing history and all of that. So I don't think... Wow, did I go on a rant? I don't even remember what the fucking question was. No, it's okay. Continue. <laughs> don't even think about that I got you. Okay. Um, I just don't think it's right for people to want... I don't think it's right for people to segregate those who were not in touch with their heritage, who want to be in touch with it now, like or like hold that against them. Yeah, especially that. Like, I haven't had like a lot of backlash from like the Filipino community because I've been following a lot of like Instagrams, uh, Instagram accounts that kind of like um, are picture books of a bunch of the history. A lot of the forgotten history and do- undocumented history um, with sources, of course. <laughs> yeah. And so, I don't know. It's just none of them have got, given me any backlash. I feel like it's a lot of other maybe Asian groups. I've seen a lot of, like, discourse on Twitter about, like, oh, you want to wear a yukata now, but you're a Hapa, Like, you're half Asian, mm-hmm. you're half, like, Japanese, and you want to wear, like, traditional Japanese garments. Like, that's appropriation. Or... yeah. I know there's a YouTuber I watch who she she's she's much more black passing than she is Indian cuz she's like half Indian half black. I think I don't know her name is so Shan... She,
1: huh? I was going to say so she's like Kamala.
0: Yeah, Kamala. I, I actually don't Yeah, Kamala Harris. She's she's she looks black. Like you look at her and you think like oh she's probably like black and white and she's part Indian and for her wedding she wore Oh man, I don't even know what it is. It's it's like traditional Indian like wedding garments. Yes, and people I don't were giving think her s- it's a sari. It's not it's I Afghan, know- right? Yeah. Uh, no, a sari I think is Indian. I think- I could or is the
1: sari just hold on, hold on. I need to Indian wedding
0: clothing. Yep.
1: Yep. Nope, that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> I spelt it wrong. Oh it's with two
0: e's. Um maybe it is a sari. Oh yeah, it is a sari. It's a sari. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was like I feel like it's a sari. <laughs> she wore a sari for her wedding and her husband is also mixed. I don't know. He's like black and something else. And people were giving her so much shit for it because she's never been outwardly like Indian, Indian? Yeah, presenting. Yeah, She's never been outwardly Indian, but she Ugh, was and that pisses me I off. I know, and it's kind of like where is the line drawn between people who want to like finally accept where they came from, and yeah. like people who've always been there? Like, there's a weird hierarchy in that. Like, people are like, I've been here the entire time. It's kind of like when you find an artist and you want to keep them all to yourselves, and then people start listening to them and they get mainstream. I feel like mm-hmm. it's kind of like that mentality.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, I have a
1: another question for you to kind of go off of this. Mm-hmm um so uh, and and uh correct me if i am wrong in my <laughs> understanding of this and <laughs> try to taste the words before they come out because <laughs> uh, you know me sometimes i'll just say shit and then i'm like
0: well that <laughs> just came out it's word vomit this is very it's very eloquent word vomit your vomit is but that of roses thank you oh wow mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um so it's my understanding or at least um i've heard from other people that the filipino demographic um within the asian hierarchy is toward the bottom like the filipinos are like the blacks of the asian
0: community mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm.
1: and so is, is this is my assumption or my understanding of this correct
0: i don't know if we're like at the bottom but i know that hierarchy is established mostly in colorism and mm-hmm. imperialism and colonization mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yes go on so I feel like a lot of southeast Asian countries are at the bottom of the list whereas like a lot of like like Japanese Korean Chinese people are at the top and that goes for like all demographics like I know there's a big there's a large scale of hierarchies based on colorism in like the Latinx community and there was that Mm -hmm. whole like light skin versus dark skin thing in like black twitter man (laughs)
1: bruh colorism is rampant and it's real it is um, it's gross but for this argument's yes. sake
0: <laughs> Tensions, <Louis. Stop> that.
1: <laughs> for this argument's sake would you like could we could we go on this assumption so i can continue the question
0: we can assume that they are at the bottom of this scale due to color toward toward the, the, bottom. the bottom
1: of the scale okay Um, so do you think that that might have, um, some sort of hand in why you haven't felt a sort of, um, necessary, like, I don't want to say resistance, but that, you know, the Filipino people in your life haven't necessarily, uh, thwarted you for being so americanized um because of that sort of social understanding and that like societal placement of being a little bit lower due to colorism Hmm. like i can't
0: no no go on no go
1: on no 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 it's just i'm just i'm just does that question make sense
0: yes it does like do you think
1: that (laughs) because of um, how can I phrase this in a different way? Like, because of colorism and thus people of Filipino heritage uh, playing into a lower ranking within the colorism chain, I guess, or the colorism ladder, mm-hmm. um, do you think that that is one of the reasons why there is less resistance to being Americanized or being well assimilated within the Filipino community? Um, versus say like koreans or you know japanese mm-hmm. who tend to be fairer which is not saying that there aren't you know darker, darker... yeah i know a ton of darker japanese people mm-hmm. and i don't know if i've ever seen a dark korean person I have. but okay great <laughs> um <laughs> but like i feel like their their cultures like kids who are first gen of like those cultures tend to I don't want to say feel more connected but I feel like there's more of a pressure from their parents Mm -hmm. to like hold fast to those traditions and those cultures and their heritage heritage in that aspect where I'm not saying that like Filipino Americans or first gen you know Filipino kids are here and their parents are like abandon everything you know from the home there like I'm not <laughs> saying that but I you know at least from what you're telling me and things like that is that it's not as there's not as much importance placed upon that yeah um, to a certain extent and mm-hmm. I wonder if colorism plays into that mm-hmm. you know the sort of internalized racism within the self
0: yeah That's a really good point. You're right. These questions are making me think, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And that is something I've also pondered because, like, I was watching this African-American guy who travels to places um, around the world to kind of, like, show people the different varieties of, like, African and African diaspora around the world. And he did a vlog and he went to, where was it? He went to where we have a lot of Native people. A lot of people who Mm -hmm. present very Black. (laughs) And they're they're coined as Negritos, which is like little Black people. Um, Yes, it is. They got got kinky hair. They have like the wide nose. They have very African features. Um, They're like Aboriginal. And I think when I was watching that, they addressed colorism in the Philippines and racism as well. Oh, shoot. And I just
1: looked up a Negrito Filipino. Yeah, and
0: they're dark, man.
1: These my people. Yeah, but they're Damn like they're. my height. You <laughs> would not know that this
0: was a Filipino person. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. And they experience a lot of, like, I can't even say racism because they're technically, like, Asian. But they experience a lot of maltreatment in the Philippines because of their skin tone. Mm -hmm. And this YouTuber kind of touches on the fact that, like, the Philippines in general loves American culture. Like, we are enamored by American culture. Who was it? Kobe has a huge, R.I.P., has a huge (laughs) following in the Philippines. And we just revel in, like, American culture. And it's kind of wild to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I look at like we have a friend who's vietnamese i'll leave her name mm-hmm. out and yeah, yeah, yeah i remember i would have known who you were talking yeah. <laughs> about <laughs> our only other vietnamese <laughs> no I, excuse you
1: no bunch of vietnamese people
0: well that we have in common
1: <laughs> uh who yeah she's
0: filipino oh is she yeah. <laughs> Why did I think she was Vietnamese? Because she doesn't... She just doesn't look like phenotypically Filipino.
1: Well, I am ignorant AF. Mabie. No. Okay, I'm gonna just shut up. It's okay. Talk to me. No, it's okay. That's what
0: I'm saying is like there's a lot of racial ambiguity, especially in the Philippines. But um, I was just saying how Filipinos just like we revel in American culture for whatever reason. And I look at like other Asian friends of mine who are so immersed in their culture. And I have some Filipino friends who are also very immersed in their culture Um, Mm -hmm. But more so like a lot of just like Chinese, Japanese, Korean people who are so immersed in their culture. And yeah, I don't know where that difference is held because I had a roommate and she's probably the most in touch, but somewhat American, mostly American. She's Americanized, but she is pretty Filipino. Like she has the money over every doorway for the good luck she has like the broom she i don't know she's like pretty filipino and i look at it Mm -hmm. and it's we carry very small pieces of our culture whereas i feel like a lot of excuse me oh wow look it's a podcast a lot of (laughs) other asian um cultures keep that very close to them and Mm -hmm. it's odd because Korea is one of the most well-known countries for like Eurocentric beauty standards and kind Mm -hmm. of assimilating more so towards those beauty standards.
1: But yet they hold their individual culture in such high regard and like so close to their persons. I, yeah, that's so interesting. So
0: that kind of leads me to think that a lot of our history is either erased, which I've seen proof of that in a lot of the thing the rabbit holes that I've fallen down mm-hmm. um, as well as like having a culture that is just so diverse that it kind of overlaps with other practices
1: mm-hmm. Here's another question for you as we go down this uh, this sort of I don't want to say we're in our own rabbit hole, but I
0: guess we are. <laughs> I am Alice. Uh, you are the rabbit. Lead me. <laughs> um, I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. very <laughs> important
1: Um, Okay. Um, so <laughs> along the same lines. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, shoot. Did I lose it? Did I lose it? Where is it? Oh, no. Look. I to look it. for it. Was really it. I'm going to take a drink. Okay. Yeah. Um, I remember now. Okay. Um. To my knowledge, at least, and I could be very, very, very wrong um, because I'm ignorant in many a way and open minded in many a- another way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm pretty balanced, I feel like. Um, but I like to consider myself more open minded. Anywho, uh, to my knowledge, countries like Korea and China and Japan have been less colonized than countries like the Philippines, Mm -hmm. you know, since we're specifically talking about your culture Mm -hmm. and and Filipino culture. Uh, I don't want this to sound terrible, but do you think that maybe another reason that, you know, these cultures who have had less erasure, have had less colonization within them are... Those cultures are sort of maintained, obviously, for obvious reasons. But do you think that the assimilation to, quote unquote, American standards within the Filipino um, demographic, Filipino heritage, is because they're just comfortable in that sense? And that's not to say that there's not resistance against colonialization. There's not resistance against these countries who are not innately... Filipino coming in and changing culture and killing and murdering and doing all these terrible things that comes with colonialization. But, you know, it happened so many times, so many times over and over and over again across, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years that the Philippines have been colonized by different people. Mm -hmm. That it sort of just becomes the assimilation to a culture different from one's own is the norm. And so... I guess my question is, do you think that Filipino people are in a certain sense comfortable with kind of harboring a a culture that is not necessarily theirs? I don't want to say theirs because
0: America has oh, no culture
1: sounds... <laughs> well that but also it's like that that terminology can be very othering yeah. um but like that is not their native culture yeah. I guess you know and assimilating to that is there a sort of sense of comfortability within that I
0: think and America's done some dumb shit in the Phil like dumb like I, mm, dumb shit in the Philippines but a lot, I feel like a lot of <laughs> I don't know if it's like an American thing or if it is like people in the Philippines as well but there's a big practice of like American exceptionalism mm. and Oh, man, it does kind of sound weird now that I'm thinking about it. Them, like, not, oh, fuck, how do I put this? It's hard. It's hard yeah. right, to
1: not sound like an asshole and be like, are you okay and comfortable with being colonized? Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> Well, they're like, they've been like free from like Spain and America for some time now, but it's like.
1: But that's, it takes yeah. a lot, a lot of time and a lot of energy and a, to unravel these institutionalized you know uh cultural changes or cultural institutions Mm
0: -hmm. no i get it i do think it has to do a lot with american exceptionalism and like westernization within the philippines itself because it's i was like trying to find my house on google maps and i stumbled upon like this place that i used to like shop at with my mom and it used to like not be the best area and now there's like malls and strip malls and like it just looks so westernized and i think because the philippines is still again we're gonna go into this developing and developed thing but uh, because it is still developing as a country within itself is that they are becoming more westernized and like the western world has a lot of influence as far as like media goes there Mm -hmm. um additionally like there I mentioned it also in the video but there's a lot of like cultures in the Philippines and I don't really know if there is a specific Filipino culture like there's Filipino American culture like if I say like oh I'm Filipino you automatically think like Jabberwockies, Warriors fans ukuleles karaoke
1: I think of wearing a Filipino flag
0: hat yeah you don't really think of the Philippines within itself like when you think like vietnamese-american you there's there's thoughts that come into your head there's like traditional what are the words elements that come to your head when you think of like vietnamese-american japanese-american chinese-american whereas when you think filipino-american you think of the food Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a lot of food, yeah. And then, yep, such good. Food. And then, an Americanized version of whatever it is. Like you don't think mm. of, like Kalinga. That you don't, yeah. You don't think yeah. of like the garments they wear. You don't think of Kalinga. You don't think of the cup dances. You don't think. Well, you made me think. You might think of tinikling. You might think a lechon, it's... but that's also food.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I see where you're getting at. It's like the sort of native practices that are that make up the quote-unquote Filipino culture since there are so many different demographics within the Philippines Mm -hmm. itself you know um but what what people kind of lump into the idea of Philippine culture Mm -hmm. um they're kind of shrouded by like being Americanized
0: yeah and I don't know when that probably happened when like America was like hey we're here now but i feel like when is america not
1: ever like
0: like, hey uh, Hey. i'm here dude
1: america is the kool-aid man just busted hey hey wait is that right
0: yeah that's the kool-aid man that's fat oh Oh, no it's because he wears red okay and he's a large man oh no Uh, what does the kool-aid man say he has his catchphrase. I know this. Does he? I thought, I he, thought did. he
1: just smashed through shit like Kool-aid the old man
0: catchphrase. <laughs> what the fuck? Also, did
1: he, say? he How says, "Racial of yeah. you." Oh yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> how <laughs>
1: racial <laughs> of you just connect Fat Albert, who is a black man with cool, he's wa-
0: Fat Albert wears a red <laughs> shirt. Okay, and he's a large <laughs> man. That's why. <laughs>
1: I know I kid
0: I was like huh wait no I think that's someone else but the guy
1: he goes oh yeah oh yeah Yeah, that's America
0: (laughs) oh shit okay um
1: (laughs) America is the Kool-Aid man it's been distinguished he's just busting through your walls saying oh yeah and giving everybody diabetes
0: diabetes Yeah, I don't know. I think it truly happened when Spain first invaded and was like, hey, what's good? Because I feel like religion plays a big part in changing a societal (laughs) belief system. Because they're like, hey, we have Mm -hmm. Catholicism. You should all be Catholic. Stop doing this pagan shit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean also brutally murdering murder, murderling.
0: Murdling. Me a small murderer. Mur- <laughs> I'm like
1: murderling. It's me. I'm just a murderling. <laughs> <laughs> um woo okay. Um <laughs> you know, brutally murdering and you know, brainwashing people into converting, you know, it doesn't hurt either yeah. on that end.
0: You know. Yeah. I feel like that's when a lot of the culture was lost. For sure. Because
1: it's like, it's the same thing that happened with the Native Americans. You know, it's like you're heathens, you're uncivilized. Like this is the way, the only way to be. This is the way you should act. This is the way you should dress. This is what you should believe in. Maybe that's why I'm so against organized religion. Sometimes it's just brainwash yeah
0: i feel that i've never been catholic i was baptized but i had no communions no nothing you're baptized yeah i'm baptized i
1: that's I, i'm not i'm going to have <laughs> my family in the philippines pretty catholic mm-hmm.
0: so mm-hmm. i can't relate but
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i don't know that's it's a lot and there's a lot of different cultures i want to say because there's so many different tribes in the philippines it's mm. not just the people in the south there's like i don't know how many was there like more than 14 different tribes each with their own different practices yeah. and just so much of the culture was erased like we had a whole written language that like hadn't been acknowledged for like millennia no I'm millennia but it wasn't acknowledged for such a long time yeah And the tattooing tradition, similar to that of Polynesian tattooing traditions, but it's completely different. Like, I kind of, I look at, like, Filipinos who get, like, Polynesian-inspired tattoos, and then I look at, like, actual, like, Philippine tattoos. It's a big difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a very big difference. And it's something I feel like, we have so many lost traditions that were just, like, pushed aside when all this shit was happening. And there's yeah. a couple people who are bringing back. I want to just input these. Mark of the four, Mark it. of the Four waves I believe it is. They um, do a lot of traditional Filipino tattooings. <laughs> Jerome Navaras, who will hopefully be doing my tattoo at some points when quarantine is over.: <laughs> Good people, very good people.
1: Oh, just two? I was waiting There for was probably
0: more. more, but I can't think of them <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: that is okay.
1: Damn. Yeah, I just... Pff, one, fuck colonialism. And we talk about this in one of the episodes where I was like, you know, I wouldn't give up my own privileges right now to like go back, but still I can say, fuck colonialism. Honestly, fuck it. There is so much rich culture and history and indigenous native groups all over the world that have just been forgotten and decimated Mm -hmm. because of rampant, anglicized whiteness. That part, period, poo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it just is, it sucks. It's heartbreaking. It's like, how much do we not know? And how much are we missing out on because of these fucking shit balls shit balls
0: (laughs) what was it asshat
1: (laughs) oh yeah with with
0: jay that's funny
1: (laughs) what do we call an anal Anal fedora fedora. (laughs) that's that's who our president is an anal fedora (laughs) um but yeah i still have some more things oh wow I know that was such a good conversation. That kind of spiraled, nice. but um, the last thing I, or one of the last things I wanted to bring up in regard to kind of reflecting back on um, our guest
0: speakers, the
1: yes, our guest, our guest speaker um, was washing dishes. Is that really like is that
0: a big uh. thing in, in your culture? Um, I honestly didn't recognize it until like high school. Maybe like actually like being like, why don't we use our dishwasher? Uh, I was reading Asa Akira's book. Or maybe it was recently, actually. I don't remember. I I noticed a lot of, like, like at the time, like, my my ex's parents would use a dishwasher. You use the dishwasher. Yeah, I grew
1: up using a dishwasher, which is why now that I don't have a dishwasher, I am miserable. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's, it's a thing. It's so weird. And, you know, the weirdest thing is, like, my mom bought a new dishwasher like a stainless steel dishwasher and I'm like we don't even like use the dishwasher honestly it's become somewhat therapeutic for me but I didn't recognize I know I fucking love doing dishes you like washing dishes I fucking love washing dishes (sighs) (laughs) I don't know yeah it's definitely a thing um a lot of Asian Americans man I feel like I'm perpetuating stereotypes when I like say like generalizations so apologies on my part but like there is some truth in stereotypes I know of a lot of Asian-Americans who use it as a drying rack. Point blank. Point blank. Yeah. That is is what the dishwasher is for. That or, like, storage.
1: Do you think it has something to do with, like, discipline or, like, working for your food? That sounds really bad, (laughs) but, like... Um, I'm not (laughs) sure... Um, (laughs) <laughs> but like putting in effort for a payout you know like your parents aren't just giving you food you're actually doing something in order to receive it you know it's like you eat you wash your dish
0: I don't know I haven't. I couldn't tell you honestly it's just been like a habitual thing like I didn't realize that was a dishwasher I thought that was the garbage disposal for the longest time <laughs> and I'm like oh wait it's in the sink um, but even like I've been using the dishwasher because of COVID because we have a sanitization um, setting on it. So I've been like w- mm-hmm. I like wash my dishes and then I put it in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Well, first of all, anyone who doesn't wash the dishes before they put them in the dishwasher is okay. Thank ho. you. Okay. I know some people you should who don't still be at least rinsing and like getting the toughest spots out you don't just like put a wholly stained shirt into the (sighs) dish into the the washing machine (sighs) and hope the stain's gonna come out you know what i I mean like like,
0: just soak it and then put it uh in and like there's still pieces of like meat from their bolognese on it and i'm like i don't understand Mm -hmm. you i don't get it the dish
1: should be 75% 75% clean before you put it in the dishwasher
0: yeah I don't understand some people's dishwashing etiquette anywho <laughs> get on the tangent about fuck you bad dishwashers you all yeah, suck that's,
1: my, that's all I have to say about that you
0: really don't have a dishwasher no,
1: I'm so sad. That's why you always hear me complain. Ugh, dishes. I have to do dishes. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I'm really bad about cleaning them right after I eat because either it's like I'm late or I have to go somewhere or it's late, not I'm late because I don't run late that much. Um, I try not to. And if I am, I try to let you know vastly ahead of time that i'm going to be running late um but anyways it's either it's late at night and i'm like i'll do it in the morning but then i'd never do it in the morning or i'm like oh it's just one bowl and then one bowl turns into five plates and <laughs> three bowls and then i'm like oh man and it just it takes so long to wash them by <laughs> hand i fucking hate dishes dishes taxes and laundry the three things that will never fucking end. And you will have to deal with them until you leave this earth.
0: Unless you have Anywho. a butler.
1: Yeah, but someone still has to deal with oh, it. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's
0: I love dishes.
1: Stupid. But then I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, I'm not going to eat on paper plates every day. How wasteful is that? Because some people are like, we'll just use paper plates or whatever. At and least it's I'm not like, plastic plates, you know? They have- yeah, but I'm not sh- trying to kill the planet. That's true. And also, my dishes are hella fucking cute, so. <laughs> any um, justification. Any. <laughs> A- anyways, now you know how I feel about, dishes about And taxes dishes. and laundry.
0: <laughs> Those are literally, I hate doing laundry. I feel this. I hate
1: doing dishes. I have, like,
0: two huge piles sitting in my bathroom right now, and I'm like, hmm they'll do themselves eventually hopefully i would
1: literally be the worst 60s housewife all i would do is take care of the child and cook but cleaning laundry things like that balancing the checkbook forget about it okay forget about (laughs) it um anyways i have some fun facts Ooh, fun facts Um, fun and not so fun but yes i have some facts yay (laughs) the first one is that a report by the pew research center in 2012 said that asian americans were the highest income best educated and the fastest growing ethnic group in the united states of america And as of 2020, Asian Americans are the fastest growing ethnic group in the United States electorate with more than 11 million people eligible to vote. And guess what? More than half, 67% of those that are eligible to vote are actually naturalized citizens and not U.S. born. That's
0: me. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really
1: cool that... Uh, you know, the majority of people eligible to vote in the United States, and like the fa- not the majority, but like the fastest growing demographic of people eligible to vote in the United States, are actually Asian Americans. And most of those people, you know, are not naturalized U.S. citizens; they're immigrants and people who have come here from other countries to believe in the American dream. Which we've already talked about that, but. Mm. <laughs> The American dream is so a um, lie, but you know the hope and the belief uh, is all that counts to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> um, how's that? How's that make you feel?
0: Uh, the voting and the college education and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, it makes me feel model minority esque, but you know we thrive in. We get in college degrees out here
1: i mean i understand that like you know thinking like oh asians are successful and asians are smart and things like this like which is you talk about that in your own video in regard to the uh model minority myth Mm -hmm. um but this is like legit
0: research Um, these are real numbers gotta get everyone else in those voting numbers we need more black people voting we need more brown people voting (laughs) Bro. <laughs> out here you guys want another stimulus check you better be voting please vote please vote
1: and don't write in candidates please that's the waste don't of don't fucking
0: put harambe again i swear to fucking god i'm gonna oh my someone. god harambe for president he's a dead gorilla hmm. fucking vote people Man. come on let's go <laughs> uh here's
1: here's the next next fact as of 2019 This one's kind of a sad fact. Uh, As of 2019, there are only 16 Asian Americans serving in Congress. That's it. 16. Uh, 13 representatives and three senators. Hmm. Uh, That number seems very
0: small to me. I don't know how big Congress
1: is. Me either, but it still seems very small to
0: me. (laughs) I feel like I should know this. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Fuck. Okay, wait. Um, wait, wait, wait 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 how many <laughs> how many people are in Congress Congress? oh yeah no that's a small number there's a total of 535 members of Congress bruh. 100 serve in the US and 435 serve in the House of Representatives
1: bruh yeah 13 representatives and 3 senators Jeez. as of 2019 which I was like man uh this is all from most of this is from the pew research center um but yeah um one of those people i believe is kamala harris as an indian american wow yes which i laughed but then i felt bad because i was like kamala harris and then i was like oh she yeah (laughs) that's that's asian too i just you know we have a, like we had mentioned you know we have perceptions of what quote-unquote asian is and i feel like a lot of the time southeast asians get left out of that perception
0: shout out to my bangladeshi people
1: hey um are you ready for another I'm fact ready. factoids i'm gonna i'm gonna lead in with a question oh, okay what do you think are the top three asian american demographics in the United States?
0: Chinese okay and Indian okay oh you said three okay and Mm -hmm. oh okay wait hold on I'm thinking her her gears are grinding oh man I'm mad because I'm pretty sure I saw this somewhere god damn it fuck I'm just going to go off a whim and say Filipino,
1: Mm -hmm. Filipino. Bruh, you got all three in the exact order. Yeah, I would have never, first of all, guessed those three. Um, But yeah, the top three Asian American demographics in the United States are Chinese, number one, Mm -hmm. at 4.9 million. Mm -hmm. Indian, at 4 million. And Filipino, at 3.9 million followed then by Vietnamese, Korean and Japanese. Mm. But to me I was like I don't I don't know why that was the case. I would definitely guess Chinese and I probably would have guessed Filipino, but I think up in there probably would have been Korean or Vietnamese and not Indian. I was considering like, that
0: because I have like one Indian friend and he's like yeah, hello, my family just immigrated here back in like the early
1: But 10s. also We live in the Bay Area, and you know that Fremont is damn near all Indians.
0: I actually didn't know that, but now I And Pleasanton
1: (laughs) is like all Indians. There's such a big Indian population in in the Bay Area, especially.
0: Ooh, I Um, have a factoid for thou. Yes. Um, It's actually, it actually has to do with immigrants. (laughs) Okay. Um, Do you know, I'm going to lead in with a question as well. Do you know what the first... um, immigration ban was oh, of the united um, states
1: e- it was the immigration act of 197. no 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 it was 1882 yep. the chinese Exclusion yes it act. Was. i was gonna talk about that next oh,
0: yay! <laughs> yes that's the one <laughs> i was gonna talk about that one next well, great minds man great minds
1: um so asian americans and asian immigrants have been coming to the united states for a really long time over um you know 150 years uh at least on the docket that is what is said um and they mostly came here to be like unfortunately low skilled male laborers like most of the um asian immigrants were men they mined they farmed they built railroads um and as we all know asians have endured generations of um like officially you know like through legislation um racial prejudice Mm -hmm. and this included the regulations that prohibited um Asian women too. the immigration of Asian women, which was the Chinese Exclusionary Act or Exclusion Act of 1882. Um, And it barred all new immigration from China. And what I didn't know about this was that it was elongated by another immigration act of 1917 and then it was extended even more by the national origins act of 1924 which extended the immigration ban to include nearly all of asia not just china and then forced the internment of japanese americans after the attack on pearl harbor
0: yeah
1: and i was like bruh, they just kept extending this ban on, and then it was like not even just Chinese, then it was like all, anyone who came from an Asian country or anyone who looked Asian, and then we're going to put the Japanese in the internment camps. Yep. America! (laughs) Did you know though, Lou, that this hits home, a little closer to home than we may have thought? You know, uh, when we we drive to San Francisco, Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, that place that we pass through, that the bridge crosses over? Yeah, the
0: little island boy? Yeah,
1: yeah, Angel Island. Angel Island served as an immigration detention center. Did you know that? Wow. And it was highly populated during the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 when it was enforced. And these Chinese immigrants were detained on Angel Island for usually about two weeks, but many stayed for up to 22 to 23 months as their immigration papers were scrutinized by the government and as these laws kept getting passed. Well, dang. So in our very own backyard, Angel Island served as one of the most populous Chinese immigration detention centers.
0: And we drive through it. Almost every time.
1: time. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I know. I always wondered. I was like, what is this place? You know, what is Angel Island? And it was called Angel Island. But I've never, you know, stopped off on it or anything like that. And yeah. That's one of the things that happened on Angel Island.
0: That's crazy, man. That's
1: gross. I know. I know. Damn, fuck
0: America. Oh, I got, I got one. I got one.
1: Okay, tell me, tell me. And then I have one more. I tweeted about, okay,
0: maybe I have three. I have. (laughs)
1: Okay, okay.
0: Do you know? You probably saw it. I think you favorited my tweet when I was like,
1: I probably did. It's about boondocks. Okay, I haven't watched it. Oh, no, no.
0: You liked my tweet. I thought you liked my tweet. But that term from one of uh, my favorite shows actually originates from a word that was westernized that originated in the Mm -hmm. philippines so they had um internment camps in the philippines and bundok is like a word for like um uh, like the perimeter of it almost Mm -hmm. and so the americans heard it and they were like oh so like boondocks, like boonies and they westernized Mm -hmm. the word so it's technical it's it is um what is the word oh gosh linguistically it is filipino yeah. Yes. yes, I did
1: like this tweet, but it's not because of the <laughs> the cartoon. It was because the word boondock, you know, we used to say it in high school all the time when we parked our car really, really far away. away. We'd be like, oh, where'd you park? I'm, I'm, the, like, boonies. Oh, I'm the boonies. Yeah, <laughs> It's crazy. And then a uh, funny story about that word. I have a friend who <laughs> she's... Uh, She's Asian. I caught it. Is she Vietnamese? Is she Thai? Oh, Lord. I'm just an ignorant fuck today. <laughs> Anyways, um, I used to say boondocks all the time. And so she when she would hang around me, um, she would say the word boondocks, too. But she thought <laughs> that I was saying, okay, how do you spell boondocks?
0: B-O-O-N-D-O-C-K-S. Boondocks. Yes.
1: Boondocks. Uh-huh. Okay. She <laughs> thought I was saying. Boondogs.
0: Isn't it crazy that's like a wait? Where is she from? Is she like from LA?
1: Um, is she Griffin, San Diego? I think Um, area.
0: Is Boondogs like a, like a west coast thing like a california like i don't a know east coast west coast no where are we I, bay area, We're in The bay, the bay west area west coast is it like
1: a bay Area? i don't type? know i don't know i don't know because i would say it and then she'd be like oh the boondogs you're I'm like, like huh? what are you saying <laughs> what was that <laughs> she's like you know the boondogs and i said like, <laughs> the boondogs oh man and she's like oh and we love her. She's a ditz. She's so intelligent, but she's such a ditz. Um, and so it was just like very her to <laughs> to say it like convincingly. She's like, Yeah, you know, I parked out in the boondogs or oh man, we have to walk all over there. The god, that's in the boondogs. And <laughs> she just that's how she thought the word was pronounced, the boondogs. <laughs> boondogs, man.
0: <laughs> that's cute.
1: It is, she's a cutie. Man, I miss her. But
0: <laughs> Um, do you have another fact for another me? Another factoid is the Philippines had trading relations with Mexico prior to America even having trading with Mexico, which occurred in the late 1400s, early 1500s.
1: Bro, wild. Wild. Because I got on the boats and Yeah, hella boats.
0: Mm-hmm. And the first Asians, this is going to be very obvious because I'm, like I'm on a Philippine tirade here, but the first Asians mm-hmm. to ever come to America, even before America was a country, when was America established? 1800s 1600s? No, like what year? Was it what century? I truly could oh, not. Oh no. Hold on. Oh girl. I don't know any history. I did not I was in AP history, but that's just For other when was the America? Nope. United <laughs> States states founded. Please say 1800 something. Seventeen seventy
1: six. We <got> are wrong. <laughs> July
0: fourth, uh, seventeen seventy six. Oh, okay, wow. well, my factoid still stands that Filipinos okay. <laughs> <the> <laughs> were some of the first, if not the first, quite possibly the first Asian Americans to Asian Americans Asians to come to America. And do you know where they settled, madam? I think we said this um, in the in the recording that got shitted on.
1: Oh shoot! I don't it's remember. Okay. Where um, did we go last um,
0: June? New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, the New Orleans. They settled in what is now. No, no, no. It was called Saint Malo. Saint Malo. And Ugh, Malo. No, don't. <laughs> Are we keeping that in? <laughs> it's gonna be very obvious, but it's fine. <laughs> that's fine <laughs> and they called them <laughs> manila men and they lived oh. on houses similar to that of um another native uh group in the philippines which lives on the water it's very nice very beautiful uh, is like the huts and borobor yes except not Ooh. as out in the water Ooh. it's more like beachy and then like kind of out it's very cute it's very nice that's pretty cool. Yeah, little factoids.
1: Damn. Water. Bring you down a new one. Oh, we'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> wow, I can't believe I didn't know when uh America okay, was founded, either. especially since I listened to Hamilton
0: so much. Oh my god. I thought it was either, Woo. okay, you're, this is gonna sound so dumb, but I thought it was either in the 1400s or the 1800s.
1: But, you know, I was going to say 1826. <laughs>
0: 1826. <That's laughs> I don't so fucking sick. know what sounded right. <laughs> 1776.
1: Mm, I got the six right. You got the six right. 1776. I feel like that's one of the raps. Okay. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you mentioned in your... Video, which I hope everyone goes to watch because it was wonderful. And you look so cute. you are not wearing any makeup in that either. Um, Can you believe? You're wearing lashes. Wearing lashes. But that's, it. Oh my God, that's it. You look so good. You're such a little cutie. Cranky. Um, but you mentioned that you got placed in ESL classes when you were younger because of your Hispanic sounding last name. Yes. And I wanted to uh, talk about a court case called Lau versus Nichols mm-hmm. that kind of plays into this.
0: So I love when you in... research things. I love learning. <laughs> Lau versus Nichols, let's
1: go. Yes, Lau versus Nichols. So, again, very close to home. This takes place in San Francisco. Um, so, this is the Lau versus Nichols case of 1974. So basically what this case decided was that there was a lack of supplemental language instruction in public schools for students with limited English proficiency, and they were arguing that that violated the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Mm -hmm. So looking back into 1971... The San Francisco school system desegregated, and many Chinese students who were not fluent in English were integrated back into the San Francisco Unified School District. But only about a thousand of those students were provided English language instruction, and the rest of these students were either placed in special ed classes or forced to remain in the same grade for years and years and years just because they weren't fluent in English. Okay, so they basically were held back because they didn't speak the English mm-hmm, or were deemed stupid illiterate you know, were, yeah. i don't want to say stupid because that is very stupid um, in the, in, in the of context me, of yeah they were placed in they were deemed that they needed special help mm-hmm. or were placed with students who had mental or physical disabilities oh, no. merely because they were not literate in english mm-hmm. um so wow i sounded very ignorant in that last sentence i apologize um so basically um a group of parents, one of which was the had the last name Lau, were encouraged by a public interest lawyer, Edward H. Steinman, to file a class action suit against the San Francisco Unified School District, claiming that their students were not receiving special help in school due to their inability to speak English, and how that went against the fourteenth amend against excuse me, the fourteenth amendment and the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty four due to equal protection and the ban on educational discrimination but the court argued that they weren't intentionally discriminating against students Mm -hmm. with limited English proficiency and that the 14th amendment was not violated so they claimed that since the school district provided the same treatment for all students despite their fluency in English or not the district was not um they didn't need to provide like they didn't need to make up for the students different starting points Mm. if that makes sense so like whether a student, you know, had, like, a 7th grade reading level in English or didn't understand one single word of English, mm-hmm. they weren't responsible <coughs> for making up the difference. And keep in mind, this is the public school what system. What year is this? Right? This,
0: 70... this is in the 1970s. Okay, you said 71, I think, right?
1: Yeah. yeah okay. is when they started filing gotcha, gotcha. Um
0: Gotcha. So
1: the students and their parents appealed this case, and they brought it to the Supreme Court. And in 1974, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled in favor of the
0: families.
1: Um, And basically, the Supreme Court stated that since the district was federally funded, it must provide equal treatment to all students, including non-English speaking students who were not able to understand the class material as effectively. And because of this, they were deemed that they were being deprived of a meaningful education. So yeah, so the court stated that language could be used as a means of discrimination on national origin and that the district must take affirmative steps to rectify the language deficiency in order to open its its instructional program to all of these students. Mm -hmm. So after this case, um, they won this case, basically that's when we start to see more English speaking geared classes, such as ESL classes being instituted into, you know, Public school systems, because of this case, you know they have they have to provide a level playing ground in a certain sense for all students in a public school system.
0: Wow,
1: because they're federally funded. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. So that's new. I like that a lot.
1: (laughs) So yeah, that's why I was like, give me fifteen more minutes. I need to get all this information. (laughs) I love that (laughs) because. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, Chinese immigrant families went to bat against uh, the public school system and said that it wasn't fair that they were, you know, not providing equal opportunities merely because of a language, quote unquote, deficit. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also, you know. uh, It's like, God, it's this. Yes, it was a good thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And I think overall ESL classes and courses that are, you know, are aimed toward like no child left behind and things Mm -hmm. like that are beneficial and have good intentions. But I think at the same time, like they place a lot of pressure on this ideal idea of English being the superior language Mm -hmm. of erasing one's native tongue or native practices um placing a lot of pressure on being able to speak English and not only being able to speak English but being able to speak it well um and things like that the fact so, that they
0: call it a white person voice or your Caucasian yeah. voice yeah or
1: just you know like yeah I don't know so I like I'm like yes that's so great that you know these families went up to bat and for to kind of stop the discrimination based solely on the fact that these families or these children were, you know, not fluent in English. Mm -hmm. But then I also think it kind of puts into place a lot of these ideas that people are like, well, you're in America, you should be speaking English. No
0: American. Um, You must speak American. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: Janice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's such that idea of like, you hear, you know, uh, white, just white supremacist people are the worst. But, you know, you you hear those ideas and that, that type of verbiage out there all the mm-hmm. time. Like, well, they live in America, so they should be able to speak English. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, I guess I understand that sentiment. But at the same time, you don't need to be a dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go to Russia and it expect that people are going to treat me great because i don't speak or understand russian you know like i would assume for myself like oh i should probably learn russian but i would hope that no one would be like (laughs) your russian
0: sucks go back home
1: (laughs) yeah or like you shouldn't be here because you don't speak russian you know what i mean um so while yes i'm i'm thankful for that 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 case and for those rulings to be implemented it perpetuates and perpetuates whiteness yeah it, it, in a certain sense it perpetuates whiteness but it also creates equal opportunity for all students no matter what their background yeah. is which i think that is the important thing that we should be focusing on but you know
0: so what did, we got to talk about all the sides ahead of the same coin what is that two sides two of the, sides same, of the coin. same coin yeah it's a
1: double-edged, double-edged sword
0: sword yeah all those things
1: yeah but that was my last um sort of factoid for you because i thought that was super interesting and the fact that it took place in san francisco and also the fact that it was in the 70s which i'm like ooh, so progressive but then i realized well civil rights stuff only happened in
0: the 60s i think about that so much i'm like wow that was only like 50 years ago my mom was like born
1: (laughs) she was like two same (laughs) same that's crazy i also think I don't know. It's so wild. I'm like, oh, my grandma was born in Germany in the '40s. Wild, wild. <laughs> I'm like, that wasn't much long after World War II. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my mom was born when the Berlin Wall was still
0: happening. Like that what? shit was still
1: happening in, in
0: the '50s. Or sorry, the '70s, '60s, late '60s. Yeah, because
1: my mom was born in the mid '60s oh, in fuck, Germany, dude. <laughs> yeah
0: that's crazy
1: yeah that's wild there are certain things where i'm like oh wow yeah my mom's like totally alive for that (laughs) (laughs) or like my grandma was like in the brunt of that that's crazy i also think about like ooh, if my mom and dad had like been physical like if my mom was born in the same year as my dad and they had met Like they could have been like hunted down and killed (laughs) Mm -hmm. for like interracial mingling. What's the
0: word? Misengination. I don't know. Misengination. <laughs> it's like the but they used it like when those things were happening, they were using it as if it was like breeding, as if like African Americans yeah. were
1: like animals. It's a gross Yeah,
0: yeah. I
1: could I could go on a whole thing. Public,
0: but the <laughs> interbreeding of people considered to be of different racial types. But yeah, that's gross. The
1: the fact that my mere existence could be illegal illegal fifty years ago is insane
0: and watch out for one of our next episodes on biracial experiences (laughs) specifically uh, someone who is black and white it will be featuring someone i hold dear to my coochie wow (laughs) that is not me (laughs) and my hearts maybe two people Mm -hmm. i hold close to my heart one closer to my (laughs) but watch out for that episode guys it should be a good one
1: That'll be a good one. I'm excited to talk to your boyfriend about his experience as a biracial black man. Because oh. I didn't know many biracial black people when I was <laughs> discovering myself, so it's a uh, it's something I like to talk about
0: Yay. with others.
1: Anywho, is This has been Board Brown Girls. Thank you so much for listening to our AAPI episode. If you want to hear Louie talk more about her experience as a Filipino American half-gen, you can check out her YouTube channel. And we wanted to give a big thank you to our guest for sharing their experience and their understandings of what it's like to be an Asian American. We also would love if you would give us a follow on Instagram at Board Brown Girls. And you can also send us an email if you'd like to tell us anything at boardbrowngirls.pod at gmail.com oh and huge announcement we are now available on apple podcasts so any of you apple users and apple listeners are free to go over to apple podcasts type in board brown girls and give us a listen there we would also really appreciate if you'd give us five stars and a review as that helps us get more followers and listeners Thank you again for listening to this episode of Bored Brown Girls. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye bye!